When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. tested it or like showed it to you before last or I don't know if you even heard it yet uh I listened to it when I when you posted the podcast and I thought it was pretty smooth yeah I liked it it has a bit of a jive to it but anyway we're back welcome back to Shut Up and Ball where we will not shut up but we will talk about ball specifically football <laughs> um back here obviously Aaron with me is Mr. John Harris oh hello and we're back after a popular demand. But anyway, dive right into the recent news and transactions. Uh, we were talking about this before the recording. Uh, we'll start right away with it. You know, just rip the Band-Aid. As of today, this um, morning, yeah. <laughs> uh, a report via Bleacher Report, uh, Dallas defensive tackle Gerald McCoy out for the season with a ruptured quad. Um, obviously, he's not the big, you know, as he was when he was in Tampa, but it's still a pretty uh, big loss, especially for a team that seemed to be, sh- that is in the Super Bowl conversation. Um, but, you know, obviously I'll take the help of Dallas fan, take away any provide any thoughts and feelings. Yeah, uh, this one, this one hurts because, I mean, Jerry Jones said it best, that out of all the signings we've had, you know, uh, before Everson Griffin was signed, uh, McCoy was like the instant impact guy that can come in and make a difference. And, you know, we lost Malik Collins. We lost Christian Covington. So we had a few holes and we signed him and Donatary Poe. And that's just two veterans who, uh, very different styles, Poe's like that big body that can fill the gaps. And McCoy's a lot better at getting after the quarterback. But still, like, I mean, you know, he can play the defensive tackle spot, had a lot of versatility. Um, so this this one hurts. I mean, we talked about this before we started recording. You know, we have a lot of depth, but my only issue is the depth is a lot of young guys like Gallimore, our second round pick out of Oklahoma, uh, Tristan Hill, who was a second round pick a few years ago. So we have we have guys who can step up and fill that spot if they can prove themselves, and we have depth. But it it just sucks that you know a clear starter on a D line that was looking loaded. Uh, with just a lot of good veteran talent, especially after signing Everson Griffin, we lose a guy like that. That one, that one hurts. Yeah, I mean, once again, I'll, I'll, we'll probably get this as a Dallas episode, but like, y'all had the off season I wanted, especially in terms of getting defensive linemen. Um, and yeah, I mean, regardless, I know I was really high on, I was pretty high on Gallimore, but I mean, Joe McCoy is you know, still a really good, great player. And if anything, this you know this will probably expedite the process for uh, you know Gallimore to get acquainted, acquainted, uh, you know, to the playbook, and really just to the NFL. 
Um, but absolutely, yeah, obviously, you know, sucks for Gerald. Hopefully, he can, you know, he can still, you know, he still decides to play after this. This doesn't affect him too much because he's getting up there. I mean, I'm not, I probably should look this up beforehand with all the other info, but he's getting in his 30s, which you know, for a defensive lineman, especially one that for him, where he's not purely based on power, you know, he uses his quickness and speed, especially a, you know, a leg injury that it's it's never easy to come back from. Yeah, he's 32 years old. So, I mean, defensive tackle going on 33 when he comes back. That's, uh, you know, we'll we'll see. I mean, I hope that he's able to come back and, like, play out a few more years and just have a, a good, solid career after this. Um, and I hope that he's able to, you know, like you said, we have a lot of young guys that are going to have a lot more snaps now that are going to be opened up for them. So I hope that he can mentor them and kind of bring them along and we can see one of those guys step up, so. I mean, hey, I mean, they do. The guy, him and Galmore are both from Oklahoma, so maybe they're already, uh, you know, he's already, Galmore's already picking at his brain. But uh, furthermore, onto uh, a previous uh, Dallas Cowboy via NFL Network, uh, apparently, Mr. Wide Receiver Des Bryant has been is going to, or is working out with the Ravens, uh, which I think is pretty good for both sides. Um, you know, it was really unfortunate what happened to Des. It was two years ago, right, when he worked out with the Saints and, like, the last rep he uh towards achilles yep um but you know i'm i'm glad he's back and he's getting a chance and hopefully he can you know get back on the field with a pretty loaded ravens team uh you know obviously super bowl favorite but i mean if there is a weak spot to their offense many would say might be the inexperienced receiver so i think this is i think as long as he's healthy or even if he's not really healthy i think it'll provide a good uh good insight to the receiver room yeah, I agree. I think it's a good fit for both sides. I've been rooting for Dez to come back into the league at some team. I think he's good enough to play. Um, and also, I think that the one big glaring weakness the Ravens have in their wide receiver room is they don't really have a true red zone threat. Uh, I mean, they have Mark Andrews. They're really good at running the ball, obviously. But sometimes it's nice to just have a receiver that you can throw up a red zone fade to, and that's what Des Bryant can do. Um, and I think he just he brings that size and physicality that their receivers don't necessarily have um, with a lot of these speedy sort of smaller guys that can really stretch the field but might not be as effective uh, in the final 10 yards. So, I, I, I mean, he's been rumored to go to the Ravens for quite some time. It's even when he was, you know, uh, thinking about signing with the Saints, there was still rumors that he would go to Baltimore. So. I think it'll work out, and I hope it does, because uh, I think, like I said, I think it's going to be a good fit for both teams. Yep, like yeah, totally agree with that, uh, and I'll be interested to see if you know he makes it and what. I'm pretty sure he'll get a one-year deal, but I'm interested to see the impact I have on that young uh, receiving room. I mean, just outside of Willie Sneed, um, Hollywood Brown's going in his second year, and then uh, I always forget the kid. They drafted another kid. I, we, I mean, we haven't got Devin Duvernay. Duvernay out of Texas, right? Yep. So yeah, they got UT the, guy. So if it works out, like they, I mean, I know they're already Super Bowl favorite, but I mean that might push them over the edge for some people, maybe even me, uh, above the Chiefs. But obviously we'll have to see how things play out there. But um, all right, and last bit of news we have is uh, quarterback Alex Smith for the the Washington team. I almost said their old name, the Washington Football <laughs> Team. Yeah, he's been uh, cleared for football activities, and that was first reported by J.P. Fin- Finley of NBC Sports Washington. Um, but, I mean, I'm pretty sure you've seen and everyone else has seen Instagram, you know, video of his family, you know, celebrating his return. So it's 
it's good to see him come back, especially with the severity of his injury. Yeah, uh, it's just even even with the video, a lot of the comments were like, "Man, he still doesn't look like he's necessarily moving on it like fully. Like he, you know, he's still kind of favoring it a little bit, not really wanting to, you know, go crazy on it." So who knows how how he's feeling? Because um, obviously, him being clear doesn't necessarily mean that mentally uh, he is ready to get back in there. Um, in the shape because, to, to be like playing to you to be in playing shape, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, how much could he have really been doing to stay in shape during the, you know his recovery? Um, and also, it he's just kind of in a weird spot because it's like if you're the Washington football team, do you? bench Dwayne Haskins for him coming off of this injury with not a lot of, you know, time to get ready. Uh, I don't, I can't really say confidently that they, that anybody would do that. And so like, when, when does he come back? Does he get released? Like what, I can't really tell you what the plan is for him after this. Yeah. I guess it really depends on his health. Um, but if, I guess if I was Washington, if I was the coach, I would probably do what you said. I would start Haskins, but if anything, I would use this as, especially if he's available, you know, to kind of put a fire in Haskins' butt. I think if, if Haskins doesn't already know that this is a huge year for him, you know, and the pressure's on to show them something, then, you know, I mean, I would, you know, toy with the idea of Alex Smith, especially late in the season if he's still struggling. Maybe just to see, you know, because it's you know, that, that team's in an interesting spot where it's like their defense is starting to kind of get it together, but the pieces on offense are starting. To, besides outside of Haskins and, you know, McLaurin, I mean, McLaurin's really the prized piece on their like the only player I'd want on their offense. I mean, maybe Morgan Moses, they're one of their offensive linemen, but like what good player? Not good. Sorry, they're all NFL players. But what like marquee players would you want on that on that offense? I want to build around. It's tough. Yeah, I mean, especially after the release of Darius Geis, he kind of always had that question mark of when he fully gets his chance, what is he going to look like? Um, and I think this year was kind of going to be that year where AP was going to take a lot more of a back seat. Geis was probably going to come in and really earn that full starter spot. But, you know, he, he's gone. So, yeah, I, the offense just doesn't look like it's there yet. But like you said, they have Terry, and he can sort of be that piece to build around. And I, I think they probably keep Alex Smith for at least this year. Um, but yeah, I don't think they're going to bench Haskins for him, uh, unless Haskins just looks terrible out there. Um, because I don't think they're expecting to compete obviously right now when it comes to playoffs and all that kind of stuff with the division they're in. Not that this is like a super loaded division, but the Cowboys and Eagles are teams that are going to be going for the playoffs. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I'm rooting for Alex Smith because he's always been a great guy, great quarterback, and I'm hoping that he's able to get back out there and, you know, win a team some games. Yeah, or not, or, yeah, or at least just be out there. I think it would be good for him to be out there. And, uh, well, I mean, we'll see, especially health-wise, to, to see if he – I think they'll keep him throughout the season, but I think he'll be one of those guys to get cut. Uh, he probably won't be – he probably will get cut. I don't think a team's going to trade for him, uh, you know, just with the, with the contract that he currently had and, the, you know, the leg issue. But, um, all right, now we pretty much covered it for recent news and transactions. Uh, so as to today, we're going to go over the NFC West, break them down. Very interesting, uh, fun division to do so. But uh, so, yes, one second. We're going to get back with you as soon as we hear from Kyle Shanahan. Um, I mean, yeah, tough loss. It, I mean, it hurts everybody. 
um, in our room losing a Super Bowl. Um, you know, we, we had opportunity to win that, and we came up short. Um, but win or lose, I mean, this today doesn't change how I feel about our team. All right, and that was Cal Shanahan, if you don't know, coach of the San Francisco 49ers, which is which are where we're going to start off for this breakdown. Obviously, they went 13-3, and and as many people know, they did lose in the Super Bowl. Uh, and I will definitely admit now, Kyle choked. Uh, but I once was still, well, was probably arguing for another day, but still not really all on him. But as the head coach, I would put it mostly on him. But anyway, we're going to go over their off season. A lot of good moves. Um, I know we're probably going to have saying this for a lot of teams. It's easy to see these moves on paper and say that they're great moves, but just get used to it. Anyway, but I think this was really the steal, the greatest move that they made, which was getting Trent Williams from the Redskins for basically a third-round pick. I think it was a fifth, like just, you know, pennies on the dollar for uh, all-pro left tackle. That was really only out a year, and that's because he was um, – you know, sitting out due to just, you know, obviously disagreements with the Washington medical staff. But, I mean, also just baller move to Joey Staley and their previous left tackle who retired. I mean, to wait to, to announce the news and let the team make that move is, like, I'm going to talk about franchise guy. That's, that, that's, I was, you could say that's a snake move, but, I mean, I, I think that was a really good move. What, what about you on that, on that part? Um... I agree with everything overall you said. Uh, I think it was it's a great fit because Trent wanted out of Washington. Um, and, you know, being the great left tackle he is and getting to go to a team that just came off a Super Bowl appearance, that's just awesome for him. Um, and I think that even just looking at the Super Bowl and sort of the end of the game when the Chiefs really built them their momentum, uh, there was a three and out that happened right before the drive that the Chiefs scored on to take the lead where – Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It ends because Frank Clark got some great pressure off that left side. Um, and so I think that Trent Williams, he can come and help clean some of that up, mentor some of these young offensive linemen they have. Um, and so I think, yeah, great fit for both sides. I don't know fully on the, the Joe Staley stuff. Um, to be honest, I kind of forgot he was still playing. I thought he's, he's one of those players who's just been around at the same team forever. Yeah, so, yeah, so I, I don't know everything about behind that situation, but uh, I think the Niners came out on top with that trade. Yeah, I mean, obviously. Um, but obviously to continue with their acquisitions, another one, uh, they traded DeForest Buckner to the Colts for this, for this pick to make the pick for Javon Kinlaw defensive lineman, more like defensive tackle out of South Carolina. And they also drafted later in the first round uh, Brian Ayuk, 
wide receiver out of Arizona State. And then they made a, and then the only two free agents uh, additions they made were defensive end Deion Jordan and tight end Jordan Reed. And I kind of like those because what we you had mentioned the other last episode with the Chiefs, how this was a team that was right there. Unlike the Chiefs, they didn't win it, but they were right there. So like these two signings, Deion Jordan, a guy who was picked I believe third overall, so he has abilities and everyone's gonna put it together. But to get him as a depth guy, and then Jordan Reed, someone who's as you very well know, has just been injured. You know, never been able to stay on the field. Just so just to have him as an insurance policy, basically, or even to use with George Kittle on the same at the same time. Um, I think those are very good moves for you know very low risk, high reward, if not even high reward, just minimal reward moves for the 49ers. Yeah, I would agree. I I mean, just the fact that their key departures are DeForest Buckner and Manuel Sanders, and you replace them with two first-rounders, like, that's just how you do it right there. Um, you don't have to pay Buckner's massive contract because he's one of the highest-paid defense players of all time at this point. Um, and you replace him with a first-round defensive tackle, and especially already on that loaded D-line, like, that was just a great move. And then Brandon Ayuk, uh, along with Jordan Reed, I think those are two options who don't have to come in immediately and make an impact because, like, they already have George Kittle. They have Debo Samuel. They have some already established guys, and so they can just come in and help Shanahan open up that playbook even more because now Shanahan's going to have some crazy two tight end sets that he can start throwing in there. Obviously, Reed's not going to do a whole lot in the blocking department, but just I think – you know, Shanahan's just an offensive genius, so more weapons for him is just exciting for 49ers fans. Yeah, and then, well, I think Dayuk thing's even huge now that they are more important that they got him since uh, Samuel is going to miss at least the start of the season with that foot in, with a foot injury, I believe it was. Um, so I wonder if, I mean, obviously they're going to need him more. I wonder if they're going to, they're probably not going to start him right away and, you know, just put him in Debo's spot, especially with, uh, with that, with that, there was an OTAs and such in the training camp. But once again, I agree. Great moves. I mean, um, I bet you we'll, we'll talk about the Colts probably uh, obviously another day. But I think if Indianapolis knew that they could have gotten Kinlaw at 13 and not have made that trade and pay Buckner all that money, I don't think they would have done that. Um, so, but regardless, I think it's still a good trade for both sides. Uh, but especially with the 49ers, a team that's, as you mentioned, strapped, kind of strapped for cash because, you know, obviously they were planning to extend Kittle um, and they couldn't pay Buckner and. Uh, Armstead, so you know they kept the I guess cheaper option, and then just got you know a replacement for Buckner, and so that, that freed up more money, especially in the future, uh, for you know as we mentioned last episode for Nick Bosa, and then Debo Samuel down the line and such. Uh, yeah, and another signing too they actually made I think today or yesterday is Tavon Austin, uh, which you know he's not a marquee name anymore, but another speedster, another guy who can stretch the field who. Has had you know a few yeah jet sweeps had a few highlights the past few years the most memorable one to me is the first drive against New York Giants and he just burnt them down the field running a streak easy touchdown like stuff like that once again Debo you know like you mentioned Debo Samuel might not play the first few weeks so just getting a few more fast guys that you know Shanahan can scheme to get open I, I just think you know they've had a great off season. Yeah, and I mean, like I said, not many losses besides Buckner and Emmanuel Sanders, and they only had Sanders for half the year, and he's he's so. um, But they basically replaced both, filled both holes. Uh, But obviously, it would be tougher for them now that they've been, they have the target on their back. You know, it's always hard. We saw with the Rams, 
the year after they lost to the Patriots. Now, granted, there's different circumstances. That was a team that lost a lot of pieces, but just, the Super Bowl hangover can be very real. Uh, so I'll be interested to see, especially with you know, with everything that's going on this offseason with COVID, how they're able to bounce back, or if they can bounce back, or if they've, or if they're not able to, since you know most guys haven't been able, they haven't been able to get really get together and maybe get over that loss. Yeah, another thing uh, that I actually just remembered is, has there been any development on Raheem Mostert's trade request? Because I remember he said that he wanted out. Um, so I was listening, uh, and I'll say this a lot, I was listening to Sim, Chris Sims on Button Podcast where he, he actually interviewed Kyle Shanahan, I think about a month ago. And Kyle, he mentioned that to Kyle, and Kyle said that he had talked with Raheem, and I think I think everything was okay. I think he smoothed everything with Raheem. Because uh, Sims also brought out the fact if he had smoothed things over with uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, because you know there were the rumors that they were going to get Brady and get rid of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and but once again, it's the coach. You know, you got the context matters. You know, so it's Kyle Shanahan's obviously not going to say, yeah, you know, it's falling apart. You know, because if they're still trying to, they, they are. They do have to shop him. They don't want to kill his value. Um, but I mean, I, if I'm being honest, I mean, there's, I don't mean nothing on Raheem Mostert, but with Kyle Shanahan's offense is really. I don't think he'll he would mind losing him all that much because they get back uh, they have Tevin Coleman, Matt Breida, and they get back uh, Jarek McKinnon. You know uh, he's finally had two years off that ACL tear, so maybe he'll be back to being him. So and as one of my friends said, uh, our friends James Six said he said Kyle Shan can teach a rock how to run the ball. I mean, so I, I yeah. think they'll be fine. I actually so. They actually traded Matt Breida to the Dolphins, which is why I was a little more interested in, yeah, I mean, Breida, yeah, it wasn't a big-time trade. Uh, why well, I was more interested in what Raheem Mostert would do, because you lose Breida and Mostert, now you're kind of, you have Tevin Coleman, Jarek McKinnon, which Tevin was good for them last year, but Jarek, you know, he was hurt the whole year, has been for many years, so who knows? I think that would have been a big shakeup, so it's good that they're keeping Raheem Mostert because I don't think that it was in their plans to ship another running back after Breida was I totally moved. Totally forgot about because they have so many freaking running backs. But yeah, actually, so I'm sorry. See, once again, this is where I like. That's why I need you. You're my other half. So now that I think about it, <laughs> I mean, you're right. It's, that's completely right. And especially when you, the more I think about it, Coleman, most of these, all these three of these guys, especially Coleman and McKinnon, they've never been the lead back. They've never been the the bell cow. So absolutely. I think, and you know, Kyle probably. I think Kyle prioritizes is having a fresh running back in. You know, he doesn't want his guys, his running backs, to wear down. So yeah, it could be very key. But I mean, if he says that it's fine, then hopefully, you know, for them, that, that is true. But uh, yeah. go ahead. Do you have anything else to add? I was just gonna say, and I mean, maybe if somehow Mostert does get shipped. A guy we mentioned yesterday, Devonta Freeman. You could reunite him and Tevin Coleman, have the duo back and together. Shanahan, yep. Yeah, and oh yeah, I mean, which last time they're all together, you know, he choked another Super Bowl, so that that'd be a little rough reunion at first. But <laughs> you know, you got Jarek McKinnon in there too, so maybe things change. <laughs> he need to leave Kyle alone. He's not here to defend himself. <laughs> but anyway, we're gonna go over to the other team. Uh, the second place team in the NFC West, the Seattle Seahawks. Seahawks. Not the Seahawks. Uh, they went 11 and five. They lost to my Packers in the divisional round. Uh, made a few. Obviously, made the big move or one of the biggest moves in the offseason. Added Jamal, safety Jamal Adams. Uh, they sent over a 2021 first and third round pick and 2022 first round pick. And obviously, safety Bradley McDougald. They got back Adams and a 20, 
2022 fourth round pick from the Jets. Um, I mean, I'm just going to, this has been talked about so much, I'm just going to say, I think it was a good trade for both sides. Uh, obviously, we'll see, you know, what they do with the picks. But regardless, good trade for both sides. Um, they added back just a few small free agents, uh, brought back Bruce Irvin, signed Greg Olson. Uh, pretty good signing here was uh, Carlos Hyde since both the running backs, um, Chris Carson and Rashad Penny. How about to say Rashad? Rashad Penny. I know they both had injuries, pre-sleeping injuries towards the end of last year. So Hyde's gonna probably, probably, probably going to be the main back off the rip. And then uh, they did draft linebacker Jordan Brooks. And then a funny signing, kind of a funny, this isn't, I probably shouldn't say funny, but uh, kind of ironic. They signed uh, guard Chance Warmack, and then obviously with everything going on, uh, Chance Warmack has uh, opted out due to COVID. Uh, but I did read that's because multiple, uh, some of his family members have gotten COVID and died. So completely understandable by chance. Uh, but uh, probably the biggest departure besides Bragg and McDougal via trade is they still have not signed J.D. Van Clowney as he's still uh, testing for agent waters. Yeah, this has been a very interesting offseason uh, for Seattle. Um, obviously, you know, we mentioned Clowney yesterday and how we probably think he's going to go back to Seattle. Um, I think that's the best fit, but who knows what's going to happen there. Clowney's taking his sweet time. Um, the Greg Olson signing was amazing because I don't know if you saw right when he first signed, they did like a, a Zoom call because of, you know, COVID and Olsen couldn't make it to the team call, so Will Farrell filled in in his place and just was kind of mocking him the whole time. You know, I uh, saw that, he, but I thought that, that that was like a design. I didn't know that Olsen couldn't actually make the call. That's, that's even better. I thought that this was a joke. Will Farrell just filled, just like, you know, uh, hijacked the call. No, yeah. <laughs> so he just hops in there, and I loved it because he's over here like, look, guys, I'm going to be with you. I'm not playing special teams. I'm absolutely not playing defense and to be honest i'm not going to play a whole lot of offense my body can't handle that i'm a little too old and he's just ragging on the dude for being old he's talking about look if there's nobody else on the team to play special teams i still won't do it we're just going to forfeit the game so, <laughs> um, so i i love that and i like greg olson i think he's great um and so i think so far they've had a solid solid off season uh but the only interesting thing that i saw uh, is so obviously they made the blockbuster Jamal Adams trade uh, broke my heart as a Cowboys fan thinking and fantasizing of joining our defense which for which I mean for, for the price I, I get it because you know we probably had a trade to safety which you know and then we have you know multiple picks that were thrown in there on top of the fact that we have to pay him it's pay Dak Prescott, Xavier Woods, our other safeties coming up on a contract extension. Michael Gallup's coming up on one. Like, I don't know how logistically it would have fully worked out. I imagine Gallup honestly might have been included in the deal. Um, so I'm, I'm not against the fact that we didn't pull the trigger. Um, but the one interesting thing that I saw uh, was regarding the deal is that McDougald and Jamal Adams' stats last year were uh, not all that different. Um, I, I think the one big differential right there was sacks, uh, with Jamal Adams being one of the best, you know, blitzers and uh, non-pass rushers at getting sacks because um, he got six and a half last year, which is pretty dang impressive. But yeah, their their stats weren't super different. Uh, McDougald had seventy tackles last year to Jamal Adams seventy-five 
for combined tackles. Uh, Jamal had 61 solo. McDougald had 52. So their tackle numbers are pretty similar. Jamal obviously has a little bit more, but uh, they both uh, – well, Jamal had two forced fumbles to McDougald's one. So they're just – there wasn't a whole lot of difference outside of those sacks. McDougald had two interceptions. Jamal Adams only had one. So obviously I'm not comparing McDougal to Jamal Adams, but statistically speaking last year, they were very similar in the way they produced. Um, so it's, it's interesting how big of a price uh, Jamal Adams commanded, I guess, off of. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. You know, just the hype that he brings, the leadership, the IQ. Um, and maybe McDougal, his stats were kind of, you know, fluctuated because of how good of a defense Seattle had. And so maybe Jamal Adams will see a skyrocket in production. But honestly, I think the Jets got a really good haul out of this deal because uh, you get two picks that you can use in the future, um, two, two first-round picks being that, and then a third round, obviously, and McDougal. So uh, kudos to the Jets because you got an absolute haul for Jamal Adams. Well, especially for a guy that... Uh, it's so hard. We saw, we've seen it with other stars who have publicly wanted out and such. It's you know that oftentimes teams have to settle for a deal that they know is not typically fair, but you know it's the best deal they have. But this was a pretty good deal still for the Jets, and you know getting two first, getting a you know just uh, I guess a treasure trove. Really, I mean you know anytime you have two first round picks, as opposed to you know other deals we've seen in the past, I think Antonio Brown who got traded for a third round pick. And once again, that was before all of the, uh, you know, all his answer up of those way before all of, we we saw the whole off the field uh, scope for him. So, uh, but obviously he was older and on a bigger contract. So, but yeah, I I, I would agree um, for the skepticism, you know, in terms of. But I, I, once again, I think it was a really good trade for both sides, especially the Seahawks, where you know, in that in that game that they lost against the Packers. It's just really their secondary let them down in the second half. They just couldn't get the big stops they needed. You know, when, you know, it was, I don't know if you remember, just really just two Devontae Adams, passes to Devontae Adams, where now they can have, theoretically, Jamal Adams there to help in coverage. But we'll, we'll see how the marriage works and obviously how the money works because, you know, especially if they bring back Clowney, they may still be in it, have an issue with keeping all that talent on that team but but I'm, I'm still really excited for this team I'm excited for the second year of DK Metcalf uh, especially now that you know I, I feel like he should be the number one yeah, but obviously Tyrell Lockett's no scrub and I'm interested to see I, I feel like they're gonna go back to more of the run running the ball which especially I feel like they're gonna try to go more two tight end sets because if you think about their tight end they got a lot of tight ends Greg Olson uh, Jacob Allister and then I don't know if you remember Will Disley was 
killing it, especially in fantasy. Uh, last year, mm-hmm. before he, before he tore his, I think he tore his ACL. Uh, but now they have at least three very good tight ends. So I'll be very interested to see how they incorporate, you know, all that all that depth and talent onto the field. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned it that they're going to go back to running the ball, which always, you know, I'm not a fan of Seattle, but it always just, it's ridiculous to me how how tight they hold on to that run game for the first three quarters. And then in the fourth quarter, it feels like they finally let Russell Wilson loose, and then he just goes crazy. (laughs) Yeah, and and like statistically speaking, last year, Russell Wilson was the best quarterback by far in the fourth quarter. Like he dominated every other quarterback when it came to fourth quarter stats. And so that just shows like why, why, I don't know, why don't you like let Russell do that the first three quarters so you don't have to have him bail you out and lose or, or, you know, win some of these tight games. That maybe you could have had a you know significant lead going into the fourth, and you know then you can run the clock out. Um, but yeah, I mean, even just going back to the Jamal Jamal Adams thing, uh, I think once again probably a great deal for both sides because Jamal Adams, like you mentioned, he can provide that sort of spark and impact play in the big moments uh, that McDougal you know couldn't. Um, and, and also, I think it's just scary to think about. You know, Seattle's always historically, especially, you know, with Cam Chancellor and Errol Thomas had, like, these impact safeties. Um, and Jamal Adams can fill both of those roles. Um, and so seeing, you know, I, I'm just, I'm already getting worried about seeing him and Bobby Wagner down low in the box and just the the havoc that they can cause. Oh, then it's so, Clowney's there, too. That's just a whole other, another piece of the puzzle you got to figure out. Oh, yeah, that's that's going to be terrifying. All right, but now we're going to switch over to the, the team we mentioned earlier, the L.A. Rams. That's when I finally actually – that's one of those changes that I've actually finally gotten used to, I guess, maybe because, you know, the, before they were there, St. Louis, they were kind of relevant and then, and during my life, and now, been, now that they're more relevant as L.A., it's just stuck. But anyway, uh, made a few additions. They made uh, – they signed defensive tackle Sean Robinson, uh, outside linebacker slash DN, or I'm calling edge. Defender Leonard Floyd, and via the draft, they in second round they grabbed Cam Akers, running back out of Florida State, and then wide receiver Van Jefferson, also in the second round. Uh, but they did lose a lot. They lost uh, obviously more. Everyone probably knows uh, Todd Gurley. They released Todd Gurley. Um, they lost Dante Fowler to free agency. Corey Littleton's time with the with Oakland, as we mentioned last episode, and then uh, they did lose Greg the Leg Zerline uh, to your Cowboys. Yes, sir. Let's lost, go. Uh, I love that signing. <laughs> and they lost infamous uh, cornerback Nicole Roby Coleman, who had the famous uh, non-pass interference play. Uh, then safety Eric Weddle retired, and they did trade Brandon Cooks to Houston um, for a second-round pick. Uh, but this is a team I feel like, like Sean McVay. I don't think Sean McVay might be in the hot seat, but this is like this is a. I feel like it's cliche to say this. This is a pretty important year. I feel like, I feel like this this team's gonna kind of hit a hit a huge wall. I mean, they've just lost so much, and it's tough whenever whenever you keep adding all the star power to have players around that star power. I mean, if if I had told you, you you get a defense with the best defensive lineman and Aaron Donald, and probably the best, arguably the best corner, and uh, Jalen Ramsey. I mean, I feel like you'd say like, oh man, you'd be ecstatic with that defense, but it just. There's just so many holes in that team, I feel. And I feel like this will be a team that's going to, I guess, quote-unquote, surprisingly not make the, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. 
I mean, they just lost a lot. And I feel like, uh, especially on the offensive line the last few years, which it's just, and I, I don't, I'm not a big believer in Jared Goff. Like, I think he's a solid quarterback. I don't think he's the quarterback that they paid him the money for. Uh, I don't think he's the type of guy that's going to carry your team, as we, as we all kind of saw the first year at, with Jeff Fisher. And then it took Sean McVay coming in to implement his scheme to help Goff. But even then, I mean, they, they can only do so much. I, I know they went to the Super Bowl, but, I mean, when you pay a quarterback that kind of money, he he makes the, you know, he he, he should have made that throw to, uh, I believe it was Brandon Cooks in the end zone, just down mm-hmm. the seam. Or in, but he, he threw a wobbler, and he, he shat the bed as opposed to on the other side. When it came down to it, Tom Brady made through through the strike down the seam to, to, to Gronk, boom, and then Patriots win. So I think that was, to me, that was the start of the downfall for the Rams is when they extended Goff for all that money. Because uh, as you see now, their, their hands are tied. And even these solid players like Corey Littleton or Dante Fowler, who they traded for a few years ago for depth, and Nicole Ruby Coleman, all these guys that – Brandon Cooks, they're just letting go of all this talent, and I just, I just don't think, and I, I just don't think it's gonna come together. Yeah, the Rams are really, really interesting because obviously they play in one of the hardest divisions in the league, and it feels like the other three teams all got better. Um, obviously, we haven't touched on the Cardinals yet, but we will. And it just feels like they've all made big moves, and they have really young players that are gonna you know, progress and show potential and all these kind of things that's, you know, going to propel them to do even better than they did last year. Obviously, maybe the Niners might not win another 13 games because that's really hard to repeat and do again. But there's, you know, they're still in talks or in the the contention for a Super Bowl um, for the playoffs, obviously. Um, And so it's just, it's going to be tough for the Rams to duel a whole lot in this division. And I think that ultimately this is just, this is the the back end of all of those decisions they've made over the last four or five years that are coming back to finally bite them, whether that's signing Todd Gurley to that huge deal, um, which I, you know wasn't fully their fault because then he got hurt and just hasn't been the same since, um, or or trading for Dante Fowler or making the big time trade for Brandon Cooks or making the deal for Jalen Ramsey. It it feels like the the way they've structured their team, it feels a lot more akin to like what you would do in a video game as opposed to what you should do in real life, uh, where they've just sacrificed so much of their future for the now. And it, it worked out that one year and it hasn't really worked out since, um, because you know, they paid everybody. They've, you know, made huge blockbuster trades for, you know, Jalen Ramsey and they don't really have a lot of guys that you can hang your hat on and say, I think that he's going to break out this year and, really progress and, you know, propel this team even further outside of like maybe Cooper cup. Um, and he, you know, he's obviously always getting better and just a great wide receiver in the league. Um, and just looking at this list of departures, it, it's tough. You know, you lose your kicker who was one of the best in the league. Um, you lose Corey Littleton, who I think was really underrated. You lose Dante Fowler, who was, um, not an amazing pass rusher, but really solid. And you, you paid a good price for him by trading, uh, you lose, you know, your your big time running back Todd Gurley, who you know he got hurt, like I mentioned, but still you lost him, and then you get rid of Brandon Cooks for a trade that was not as much as you paid for. Um, so it's, yeah, I think if the Rams have success, it's going to be completely off of the back of guys like Cooper Cup and Sean McVay, who are going to propel this team forward, um, and I think that 
this is, you know, as as much as you hate to say it, Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, the two stars of that defense, they're going to have to carry even more weight on their shoulders because, like you said, there's just a lot of holes that those guys are going to have to cover up. Uh, so, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Uh, the Rams are on hard knocks right now. So, and they, they, I mean, I don't know about how you feel about those jerseys, but they just rebranded, got a new logo jerseys, and I think they're gross. I, I don't um, mind them. I kind of like them, but like, I wasn't like, I still like the other ones. So I was. Yeah, like... I like the color change. Like, I like the the bright blue and the bright yellow, uh, the sort of royal blue that they went with. I like those things. But like, when I look at their logo, I think of the Chargers more than I think of the Rams, yeah, which is just weird. Rams yeah, have and the, then have the white on there, like the white or the yellow. They're not yellow, but like kind of brownish yellow, like the horn, you know, the ram horn. Yeah, and then I don't know. I just I I think their uh, their white uniforms are gross. Like I just don't like it. So I don't know. I, I uh, bold prediction. I think that this team is going to finish last in the division. Um, so. That's that's where I'm at on the Rams. You took my bold prediction, so I guess that doesn't make a bold. But um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, once again, I agree all in all aspects. And just last note, um, I know, I mean, I've I, I watched a few fantasy things and such. I know people are high on Cam Akers uh, as a sleeper. Is he really a sleeper? Though a lot of people are calling him a sleeper. I don't know. Regardless, I mean, I did like him, but I like, and I and I think he has the talent to be really a good back. But just for a little fancy aspect and just real life aspect, I. I I'm not sure, especially with their line. I'm not sure how well he's going to do. And I feel like they're going to be in a lot of the passing situations. So that's, that's just my little thought on Cam Akers, at least for this season. But yeah, and I would also just to add on to that about Cam Akers. Um, while I think he's a good running back and a solid pick in the second round, it, it doesn't feel like. Which maybe he proves me wrong. I don't want to, you know, hate on the guy too early, but. Uh, it just doesn't feel like he has that sort of like it factor that some of these other running backs had in this draft class uh, to where he's really going to come in and just like shake up the way this team plays. Um, and I don't think he's going to be able to provide the versatility necessarily that a guy like Todd Gurley had uh, for the Rams um, just because he's never really been a, a high-impact player in the receiving game. Um, I think his best season at Florida State, he had 30 catches, which is you know pretty solid, but... He, he's not, you know, like the current age running back where they're really good at both running and receiving. Um, so we'll see. I mean, I, I hope the kid does great and that he's a high-impact player for him because they definitely need it. Yeah, they do. But so, yes, last team we're going to go to the NFC West. Another t- a team that is on the rise, unlike the Rams, is the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, made a lot of big moves this offseason, probably the biggest one, or uh, if you want to call it a move as opposed to a robbery, would be uh, – Trading for wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins, uh, they traded away David Johnson and a second-round pick for arguably, if not the best, one of the best wide receivers in the league. Um, I'll talk about that in a second. But they also added a few other moves that I thought were pretty low-key or pretty good. This one I didn't know. They added the inside, or I forgot. They added the inside linebacker Devondre Campbell from the uh, Falcons. And he's a pretty good linebacker, and then also defensive lineman Jordan Phillips, who is a pretty good. D lineman for the Bills, and obviously in the first round they added uh, the praying mantis freak in the respective way, uh, linebacker slash safety Isaiah Simmons out of Clemson. Well, I'm very interested to see how he plays in the NFL and actually where they stick him too. And also one of my favorite tackles in the draft, which is Josh Jones, 
Um, and he surprisingly fell to the third round, so I thought they had really good value with that. Uh, and like as we mentioned earlier, not really many departures. The only key departure, I guess you could say, is David Johnson. But, I mean, the way Kenyon Drake was playing, who they tagged uh, for this year, I mean, I really understand. They also have Chase Edmonds behind him, and then they obviously did keep Larry Fitzgerald. But uh, this was also a team that I was pretty skeptic of, especially of Cliff Kingsbury personally. I didn't think he could make it in the NFL uh, last year, especially I mean, when you get kicked out of your own alma mater. That kind of says a lot, you know? <laughs> um, yeah. You can only get an offensive coordinator job, like not even know the head coaching job in college. But, uh, I mean, he proved me wrong. I mean, it seemed as the year went on. He kind of pulled a Sean McVay move where he started stealing plays from and concepts from other teams, which there's nothing bad about it. I'm surprised, you know, more coaches, that's what the great coaches do. They take, you know, you take uh, information and you learn things that, you know, other people use on you and use it on them. Um, so I'd be very interested to see how his offense grows even more, you know, going from last season to this season, because now they've added, now they have the talent. They have DeAndre Hopkins. They, we know Kyler's the man. Um, and they still have other guys like Larry Fitz and Christian Kirk. Um, and their defense, actually, I'm very interested to see how well, how much better their defense is now, too. Now they've had all these pieces. Yeah, I am, I'm very excited about the Cardinals. Um, I, I don't think that this is necessarily a year where they're going to make a massive jump um, to where, like, the Niners necessarily did last year, where they go from one of the worst teams to one of the best. But I think the Cardinals are going to have a really good season of improvement. Uh, I agree with everything you said uh, about Cliff Kingsbury. And just it was, you know, as a fan of Big 12 football, it was so weird seeing him get fired from Texas Tech after just a lot of mediocre years, get hired to be the offense coordinator at USC, and then all of a sudden he gets a call from the NFL as a head coach. And everyone felt like the only reason they're doing this is because Kyler Murray. Like, you know, he said in an interview in 2018 that he would draft Kyler first overall. They have the first overall pick. Kyler declares for the NFL draft. They need a head coach. I don't know. At the time, I thought it would have been better if they made him the offensive coordinator. They made him the QB coach, whatever it was. But maybe that wasn't enough to get him to come. And they, they wanted him bad because Kingsbury, you know, mentored and brought about the development of Patrick Mahomes. So... I don't know. We'll we'll see what this year holds for the Cardinals, but I think that Kyler and just the player that he is and the creativity that Kingsbury can bring to the offense, uh, I think that Kyler's going to have a big jump this year. Uh, not necessarily like uh, a Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes MVP type jump, but I think that he's going to jump into that sort of conversation with the top tier quarterbacks, um, sort of like a Deshaun Watson had, where he you know showed a lot of improvement. Carson Wentz had after a few years in the league. Um, to where he just has a really good season and shows that he's matured and learned the playbook and all this kind of stuff. And like you mentioned, it only helps that they got DeAndre Hopkins, who, in my opinion, is the best wide receiver in the league. The man is an absolute bailout for any quarterback. Um, and he, he showed that throughout his whole career, uh, just playing with terrible quarterbacks all the way up until Deshaun Watson, and he still put up numbers. So... I think that that just gives Kyler a, a total security blanket of if I have nothing, throw it towards DeAndre Hopkins and he'll probably make a play. But on top of that, they still have Christian Kirk, they have Larry Fitzgerald, they have Andy Isabella, they have Akeem Butler. Like they have a really underrated wide receiver room that I think is going to be fun to watch because Kingsbury likes to you know use that air raid offense with four receivers on the field a lot of the time, and I think that. 
guys like Andy Isabella, he could have a, a really good breakout year this year. Christian Kirk could have that. Fitzgerald is going to, you know, always do what he does. And then obviously Hopkins is, you know, elite. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. I and I think, there. yeah, and I think it was an absolute steal of a trade. Like, how do you get away with that kind of a deal for the best wide receiver? And if you don't think he's the best, he's no one's saying he's not top three. Like, he's locked in top three. Definitely in the conversation. And all you have to do, yeah, and all you have to do is get rid of David Johnson, who, like, hasn't really done much for you since that one great season. And, and you already have Kenyon Drake. He was on the way out, too. That's what, like, like I remember um, reading some, uh, I think it was Pro Football Talk, they had mentioned that uh, one of the reason, the reason, the main reason that O'Brien had let go of Hopkins was because Hopkins was going to want more money, and they knew they had to resign, you know, Watson and Tunsil, which I guess I get, but still, like, I feel like they could have gotten, I mean, Buffalo got a first-round pick, or gave up a first-round pick for Stephon Diggs, and he also was very, you know, clear about wanting out. I mean, uh, and I bet you Buffalo, if Buffalo had known that it would have just taken a second-round pick, you know, to get uh, Hopkins, they would have done the, you know, done that in a heartbeat as opposed to giving up, you know, because they gave up way more, I felt, for uh, Stephon Diggs, who is a really good receiver, a great receiver. But I, I definitely, I think 99% of the people, of NFL fans or people watching will say Hopkins is the better receiver. Just that one oh, absolutely. Being Buffalo fans now. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I don't think anyone should realistically put uh, Stefan Diggs in the same tier as Hopkins. Like he's still a great wide receiver, but there's certain wide receivers that just like, you know that they instantly make your offense miles better and they're going to put up crazy numbers and crazy plays that other guys necessarily can't. And Hopkins is one of those people. And the fact that Kenyon Drake had such a strong second half of the season after, you know, the trade, uh, that that was such a no-brainer deal for the Cardinals that, like, how, how did the Texans not get a first-round pick out of this? They got fleeced on the Jadavion Clowney deal. They got fleeced on this one. Like, the Tech—oh, Bill O'Brien—we'll talk about Bill O'Brien later, but whenever we do the, the you know, that division. But I think the Cardinals are going to have a great season. I think Cardinals fans have a lot to look forward to with, like, the young team they have surrounding their young head coach who— I think is going to have a good improvement this year. I think they're going to have like a Bills like season like last year. Like and, that, and they're going to be my Bills probably this year. I'm going to tune in to most of their games. I know they're not going to be the most popular games, but I probably will tune in just cuz they're probably going to be I think they're going to be an exciting team to watch. Just one last tidbit too. Um I know we'll go over our prediction season predictions at very at a later date close to the season, but I'm looking at both their schedules and Seahawks if they stumble out like I the Cardinals could make noise and be a wild card team, obviously depending how the rest of the uh, conference plays out. But I mean, Seattle starts Falcons week one. Okay, that may be a win. But then you, they have the Patriots, and then they have the Cowboys, and then they have uh, the Forty ers a few weeks later, and the Bills right afterwards. So it's kind of a tough start for Seattle, especially since their two two of the running backs are already going to be out. And Seattle's also been kind of known for slow starts too, as opposed to. The Cardinals, who, yes, they start off with, uh, against the 49ers, but then they play the Washington football team, then they play the Lions, and then they play the Panthers, who are you know, still putting it together, and then the Jets. And then, so, I mean, the Cardinals could get off to a, a hot start and kind of jump ahead ahead of Seattle and take that second spot, or maybe even the first spot, depending how you know San Francisco pans out at the beginning, too, because they don't have an easy schedule either. But that's just, that's just an interesting thought that I wanted to present uh, before we wrap that up. 
Yeah, I think this division is going to be one of the most exciting to watch because, I mean, you you even said, like, if Seattle maybe doesn't do as well as everyone thinks they're going to do, I think that could go for any team in this division. Like, maybe the Niners have a slump after the Super Bowl. A lot of teams have to where they just can't necessarily replicate that success. Maybe, you know, the losses they have, the you know, Breida and DeForest Buckner and their rookies don't necessarily, you know, get such a quick start and teams start to figure out their run game and, we saw Garoppolo's weakness in that Super Bowl where the Chiefs forced him to beat them and he necessarily couldn't late in the game. Like, maybe teams start to figure them out and the 49ers drop off. Maybe Seattle doesn't do as well as people think they are. And Russell Wilson has to carry and they just can't get the job done. Maybe the Rams surprise people. And like I said, I think they're going to be the worst team in the division. But who knows? Maybe Sean McVay's a genius and they, they come back to prominence. Maybe the Cardinals, you know, have a crazy jump. Maybe Kyler Murray has a Lamar Jackson type season, a wins MVP. I, there's this division is wide open in my opinion. It's like, I think a lot of people are chalking it up to the San Francisco Seattle. They're going to repeat like last year and do really well. But I think any team in this division could win compared to some of these other ones that feel a lot more closed and done. Yeah. It's, there's only like one or two horses in the race as opposed to this one where you could definitely say there's three and you know, the fourth one being the Rams, I would say it's not too far behind, which, uh, Anyway, uh, which you mentioned Bill O'Brien and stuff earlier. So before we wrap it up, I was going to say, now we've finished both NFC and AFC West, I was going to let you decide. Do you want to go to the East, and where we talk, we'll probably start with AFC East, with you know, New England, Bills, and then obviously Dallas, and you know your division, or do you want to just, what division would you like to start next, like between East um... and South? I've been I've been itching to talk about my Cowboys because they had a very big off season. Like I mean, you even said you kind of wish the Packers had an off season like this. I think, and I'm not I'm not Skip like Bayless. Off season, like I, I know this like saying a lot, and this is saying, and this is a huge thing coming from someone who you know is not the biggest Cowboys fan, obviously. But like objectively saying, I can say that if they if not the best, one of the best off seasons in my opinion, one of my favorite off seasons. Yeah, uh, just, I mean, to put it, I don't want to give too much away, but I texted one of my buddies, we're both the Iowa Cowboys fans, and I told him straight up, if we don't make it past the divisional round this year, we're a failure as a team. Um, so that's how good of an offseason I think we have had. And I, so anyway, we'll talk about it. I think we should go to the East next. Okay, so we'll go to the East, and we'll do a, kind of like a snake version. So we'll do NFC East. So essentially, we'll probably record this on Monday. Probably record next time on Friday. I'll give you four days to build yourself up. The next episode is <laughs> going to be the John Harris episode. <laughs> yes, I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm excited too because I'm also going to be a little salt. I'm also going to be salty, but um, that's going to wrap it up for the day. Uh, once again, wide open division. Very interested to see what happens. Uh, but like I said, in the next episode we're going to go. This is the the John Harris episode. So prepare yourselves for that. Anyway. Uh, thank you all, everyone, for your support and kind words. It's been amazing. I personally want to shout out, uh, first of all, uh, I guess we have a true loyal fan in uh, Sadiq. He's been DMing me. Yes. <laughs> Hitting me up Sadiq. in the DMs. And I, I, and I would say Sadiq is like the ultimate hype man, so congrats to you, man. You're, you're, you're an amazing person. And keep it up. And then also I want to give a shout out to my, uh, my sister, Delilah. She's the one that created our logo and worked with worked with us on that uh, basically for free i have not taken her out to uh, lunch slash dinner yet if you're listening to lala that is coming uh, next paycheck 
<laughs> but anyways, that's gonna wrap it up. Uh, you can find us on social, Shut Up and Ball Pod on Instagram, and on Twitter it's just Shut Up and Ball. Um, and also have a Facebook page. You can also hit me up on Instagram, although I don't promise an answer back, but I, I'll try. Anyways, uh, for myself, Aaron, that would be all. Anything else you have to say, John? I'm so excited for the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, if that is all, we're going to call it a night, and I wish you all well, and I'll see you soon. Thank you.